are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. I want to give you a verse that I have personally, as you have, undoubtedly loved. I've loved it for years. Especially since about 15 years ago, on August 20th, we moved in that auditorium. I just love the verse. I, I quote it to myself. But I've taken it a step higher. This past week, I've claimed it for my verse for 2021. Sometimes it's the end of the year, and I realize this is the verse that God just sort of gave me all year long. Sometimes it's earlier. I don't have the song of the year yet. In my prayer journal, I write down every year the songs, and I have a list of all the songs that God's given me about the last 10 or 15 years. And here's the verses. It's normally one verse. Last year was three songs that God gave me. I just enjoy singing those songs. One, he's still on the throne. And one is page 234, I know who might have believed. And another one is America the Beautiful. Last year, just they helped me so much through the year. But this year, I don't have a song, but I do have a verse. And God's used this verse in my life, and I'm claiming it for the remainder of this year. Verse number nine, I want you to read it, and eventually we'll get, a, especially to verse uh, number nine, the first part of the verse. Second Chronicles 16, verse number nine. Ready, begin. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth, Herein thou hast done foolishly, therefore from henceforth thou shalt have wars. My message is not necessarily this, but I want to begin with the latter part, which is very negative before we get to the positive part. Thou hast done very foolishly. When I read that verse, I often think of failures in my own life, things I should have done different. I can't go back and change them. I've pastored this church for all these uh, 45 plus years and I've loved the journey. God's people have been so good to me, but I wish I had some redo days. I wish I would, uh, I would have been a little bit more filled with the Spirit of God and more wisdom and more direction from God. I think sometimes, you know, you get older, you look back and say, I failed there, I failed there. I said in our Sunday school class today, all three of our kids are in full-time Christian service and their mates and our 14 grandkids are all in Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday. I love it. It's wonderful. We're thankful for that. But you know, I really wouldn't change much about my kids our kids, I'd sure change a lot about me. And I tried to be a good dad. I got up every morning and tried to walk with God personally and read my Bible and tried to prepare the Bible message and Bible study for that evening that we're gonna spend with our kids, whether it was Psalms or Proverbs or stories of Old Testament heroes or New Testament or whatever it might have been, a word study. And I tried to think of courses that we could sing and songs uh, and out of the hymn book, they all had their own hymn book. But I wish I could change some things about me. I really don't know much I'd want to change about the North Valley Baptist Church. I don't know much I'd want to change about our kids. But I look at my life and I don't know, I, I, I'm either getting closer to God or he's reflecting more of my own life that I see. But the closer you get to God, the more imperfections you see in your own life. 
And Paul cried out in the book of Romans, oh, wretched man that I am. I pray that often. I don't, don't, don't send me a note and say you're downing yourself. I just know the battle I have with me. I, I want to please God. And so often I find myself, just, I found myself in these years uh, just disappointed with my own life. Tonight, we see that Asa, Asa was a good man. Asa was a great king. I, I take you back, and I was planning on ch chapter 15, but in chapter 15, he, he took over from his dad, who was not a good man, and he had spiritual revival. He, he cast out all those people in the temple. He brought back worship to the temple. He brought back confession of sin. His own mother. He said, Mom, you've got some idols. Fellas, go stop them down and grind them up and get them out of here. They don't belong at God's house, Mama. What a good man. But as he got older, he made some mistakes in his life. He decided to not trust God, but he relied on the Syrians. And then when he had a physical problem with his feet, instead of trusting God, he relied on just the physicians. Now, I'm not here to attack our 70-some people in this church that work in hospitals as doctors and nurses. I thank God for you. Paul had Dr. Luke with him, a medical doctor. But don't ever forget the great physician. He failed. And God said, Asa, you have done very foolishly. I think we could echo that with uh, a man who was lived in a perfect environment, Adam and Eve. I think you'd agree with me, Adam and Eve did very foolishly. They had a boy. In fact, they had two boys. Cain and Abel, another one to follow Seth later. But Cain and Abel, but Cain allowed his pride and his wickedness to well up. And here's his family. Oh, mom and dad failed. They did very foolishly. And now Cain says, I'm gonna kill my brother. And he did. And he said, God, the judgment you place on my life is too hard. It's not right. Oh, how he failed God. And Cain did very foolishly. I think in the Bible, of Lot, Lot's dad passed away. When he passed away, he was raised by Uncle Abraham and Aunt Sarah. And as he was raised in their wonderful home, he was raised by a godly man of God who knew God, who knew how to worship God, who knew how to go to the Bethel, the house of God, the place of God, where he prayed and sought God. He had such a great example in Uncle Abraham and Aunt Sarah. But then all of a sudden, as he was given more and more in lands and he was given more cattle and more herdsmen, there was a division between the herdsmen. And with that division, Abraham said, Let the, look, we're family. We don't need any division. You take to the right all that land and all this if that's what you want. If you don't want that, you take to the left. Whatever you want, I'll take the others, fine. He chose the best for himself. You know, uh, Lot did very foolishly. And then he moved and he put his head and his, head, his tent toward Sodom. 
and then he moved into Sodom, and then he was a leader in the gate in Sodom, political leader, and he lost his wife, he lost his entire family, his sons-in-laws, he lost his family because he wanted what was best for him. He did very foolishly. I think tonight of Joseph's brothers who lied to their dad for 20 years plus, they did very foolishly. I think of Korah, how he raised up his ugly head as a, with pride and arrogancy, and he raised it up to fight against Moses, the man of God. He did very foolishly. I think of Achan, who said, I, I, I know I'm around the great man of God, but I want some of that money, and he took it for himself, and he brought judgment on the people. He did very foolishly. Gehazi was working with Elijah, and Gehazi, he got his eyes on this Babylonian garment. And he said, I, I want that. And he lied and he took it. He had done very foolishly, the Bible said, and the leprosy came on him. Eli's sons, they were there at the house of God. They were raised at the house of God. Their dad's an old man now, elderly. And those boys were at the temple and they were lewd and vile and dirty and nasty and filthy. God judged those boys' lives. Eli heard the sorrow of it. He was a large man. He fell backwards, break his neck, and he died. And then the baby was born to his daughter-in-law, Ichabod. The glory has departed. Those boys did very foolishly. You kids, let me stop right there. You've been raised in a good home, a good church. You're foolish to walk away from this. You're foolish. You say, well, I, I want this life. I've seen people turn to wine and to alcohol, to drugs and to fast lane and to money. And guess what? Always it brings poverty. I think of a man by the name of Judas. I think you'd agree with me. Judas did very foolishly. He sat right next to our Lord. He held the money bag, yet he did very foolishly. I think you'd have to agree with me, Demas, who was traveling with the Apostle Paul, and there he was on the journey. But one year later, Paul writes in 2 Timothy chapter 4, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. He got to travel with the Apostle Paul. He got to start churches, begin churches, see the touch of God. And all of a sudden he said, I'm tired of it. I want the world. Take the world, but give me Jesus as the old song. I think today of Ananias and Sapphira, I believe in Acts 5, you'd have to say with me, they have done very foolishly. They held back part of the possession. They have done foolishly. In 3 John, Diotrephes, who loveth to have the preeminence, he hath done very foolishly. The goal is not to be preeminent in the church. The goal is to be a servant in the church. I've watched people during COVID do very right I've watched people, I've heard of people nationwide and worldwide do very foolishly. I've watched people quit on church. I can't understand it. I can't understand how that we can be faithful in a house of God, not only here, but all throughout the state and nationwide. I don't understand it, Brother Bertram, how we can be faithful. Every pastor, I tell you, will tell me 100% our attendance is down, our offerings are up. But and they said, it's so alarming to watch the people that were right with you that have quit church. I don't know if it's because we're lazy. 
I don't know if it's because we're backslidden. I don't know if it's because we're feet with full of fear. We were knocking on doors yesterday. Brother David was with me, and as we were going out, one of the laymen of the church, we got to adore a Caucasian lady. She just was paranoid, about in her 30s, I guess. And she said, ha, ha, leave, leave. You're scaring me. You're scaring me. God has not given us a spirit of fear. This government and this world's given us that fear. Ha, 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 I'm afraid of you. I'm afraid of you. That's nonsense. About time to go back and be big boys and live our lives. I don't know why people quit church during COVID. Maybe it's sin. I don't know why. Maybe they're done with God. But I look at my attendance sheet in the front here that we have for press on this year. I'm thankful that every Wednesday's marked here and every Sunday is marked here. I want to go to church. I'm not worried what God's going to do because I'm going to go the day God's determined your days are up, Jack. And it could be by way of a heart attack. It could be by way of a stroke. It could be a car accident. It could be a, a mean cat and I don't get along together and he claws me to death. That is not going to happen. What a sad text. Thou hast done foolishly. Thou hast done foolishly. Why? Because you relied on the king of Israel. Why? Because you rejected verse 8 God. Why? His reaction to rebuke. When, Asa, when, when, when the seer rebuked him, he got mad and threw him in prison. Why? Because of a rebellious heart, verse 12. And when you add re, that he relied on the king, he rejected God, he reacted to uh, rebuke harshly and rebelled in his heart, no wonder why God said, okay, I'm done. God sent Hannah and I to rebuke him. Sometimes God sends somebody, a mother, a father, a Sunday school teacher, a deacon, a deacon's wife, an aged man, an aged woman. God sends people in our lives to correct us. Don't have the response like Asa. Who do you think you are? Mind your own business. When someone's trying to care for your soul, I'd listen. I'd especially listen to a, what the Bible calls Titus 2, an aged woman. If an aged woman tells you something and she's a woman respected, an aged woman who's been a God-fearing woman according to that text in Titus chapter 2, girls, you'd be foolish not to listen to her. You'd be very foolish Man, not to listen to an aged man. Well, he's not the pastor. Oh, but if he's an aged man that's walked with God, you'd be very foolish not to listen. God always sends someone or he'll send events or he'll send difficulties or he'll send trials or he'll send loneliness because God wants to bless us. I'm getting where I'm going. God wants to bless us. Yet we're so foolish. We think we can do it our way. A widow woman, so many years ago, was living in her little cottage. She was so poor. The people in her town, her little hamlet where she lived, were so burdened for her. They tried to do things for her, but she was not a pleasant lady. She lived in that little cottage and basically closed herself in. 
Rarely you'd see her in the little village or the town. Instead, she just lived by herself. She was so poor. She had threadbare clothes. She never looked like she had a good amount of food. Her little shack, her little cottage was more like a shack. It needed repairs. She didn't want any repairs. She died. The cottage was left to nobody. She had no family. It just stayed there. The town went in, and to their surprise, they found <clears throat> that that lady was extremely wealthy. She had money stuffed in the mattresses, in the sofas, in the chairs, in the cupboards, in the walls. She would open the walls up and hide money. She was a very, very wealthy woman. And yet she did very foolishly. She chose to reject the blessings that God put on her hand as she lived this way. God offers you and me tonight that he is willing to bless us. He is willing to pour down his blessings. I, I think we, so many times as people, we miss so much of what God wants to do for us. May I show you what God gave me in the verse that I'm gonna claim for my verse this year and I, I won't need to be long now because here's the message. Would you go back to the text there where we are in chapter number 16? And yes, the latter part, he had done very foolish. He had done foolishly. I'm gonna choose today to be foolish and in my life, there are times I've been foolish. And if we're all truthful, all of us have been times where we've been foolish. Why did I do that? Why did I say that? Why did I do th make that decision? But I want you to see the first part of the verse. Verse nine, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth, stop right there. God says, I've got my eyes running all over Korea, and all over Singapore, and all over Japan, and Indonesia, and of Kenya. I've got my eyes on Australia tonight. I've got my eyes on London and, and, and England. I've got my, uh, my eyes on Lithuania and on Austria and Bulgaria and Bolivia and Peru. I've got my eyes looking. I've got my eyes on a place called United States of America. I've got my eyes on New England. I've got my eyes on Washington, D.C. I've got my eyes on Florida. I've got my eyes on Arkansas and Alabama and Alaska. And I've got my eyes on California. And Kentucky, I'll stay with the seas. I've got my eyes on these places. My eyes are watching. What is God watching? You know how we feel so often? We're thinking, God's watching so he can up in heaven take that baseball bat and knock us over the head because we're bad people. That's not what God wants to watch and see. What is God looking for? God is looking for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. Here it is. To show himself angry. No, no. Oh, no. 
to show himself strong, strong on behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. I don't believe this is going to be perhaps in heaven. It might be because God says twice he's going to have to wipe away all tears from our eyes. And at the judgment seat of Christ, when we receive those things done in the body, we will suffer reward or loss. We will not be working for salvation. We always work for, from salvation. But if it's wood, hay, or stubble, it's going to be loss. Because we're all going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Not the white throne judgment, but the bema seat, the judgment seat of Christ. To receive those things in the body, whether good or evil. I believe God is going to be able to see that Jack Treber did some good. But I also know that Jack Treber has not always been so good. I missed opportunities. I missed opportunities to pray when I should have prayed. When I should have gone soul winning, I should have read my Bible. I should have cared more for somebody. I should have given more, whatever it might be. And we all have those failures. God's got his eyes and his comb in the world tonight and his comb in the nation tonight. And he said, I just want to show myself strong on behalf of someone whose heart is toward me. So the ball is in my court. I must do what I should do to move the heart of God. I hope when I get to heaven, we don't find out you could have had 10 properties around here. We could have that property across the street as junior church, door to go. The next building we could have had as a youth auditorium. Across the street on Elder right here, we could have had this as a, a, music, a music department for the college. We could have had those buildings right there and put preschool and junior high and, uh, and junior age and primary all the way down. Or we could have had that long building over there, had our driveway go out that way and pick up another hundred parking stalls and then put the memorial chapel at the back. We could have had all that and had it all ready right now if I would have just shown myself strong to God. I wonder what you missed because I didn't meet the criteria. And don't, don't, don't send me a letter, you're beating yourself up. I, I, I believe I'm trying to be what God wants me to be. But tonight, God's just looking to, for people he can bless. So he says, there's Rick Martin. And I don't say this disrespectfully, 100, 138 pounds of Rick Martin. It's been 45 years in the Philippines. They run over 10,000. It's got over 1,000 churches they've started now, 16 Bible colleges. Rick's heart is toward me. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna put blessing on Rick's life. Oh yes, malaria many times. God's had sorrows in his life and heartaches in his life. And his little daughter, when she was a little girl, Mary had heart conditions and surgeries. Oh, yes, there's been sorrows and there's been health problems. But God's touch, I've been there. I've seen it. God's hand is on his life. Brother Kevin Wynn, God bless him, had 302,000 people last month saved in his ministry in Mexico. 302,000 professions of faith. God said, I'll bless that man. I have a friend, he's with the Lord. 
two bricks were just purchased last week, two weeks ago in his honor. One was just last week, a, a radio listener said, I, Brother Bobby was my pastor years ago. I want to have a brick in his memory. And then there was another one given in his honor. Bobby Robertson was just a boy when his dad at age 39 died of a heart attack in Walkertown, North Carolina. He grew up in Kernersville, right next door, seven miles away from Walkertown. He grew up in Walkertown. Walkertown, the census in 2010 was 4,009 people. I don't know what it is since then, but it hasn't grown. All around Walkertown, and I've preached, I think, about 25 years, there are revivals. You know, all around Walkertown is tobacco fields. There's tobacco everywhere. That's why North Carolina is called Tar Hills. Tar Hills because of the tar and nicotine that's in cigarettes. And there they are in Walkertown, North Carolina. And he, and he, and he took a little church and he pastored that little tiny church for 61 years. Isaiah's ministry was for 62 years. He went to those fields and his dad who died at age 39. He had to leave junior high school and come home and start to work in the fields to help his mother and his two brothers were working as well. Their poverty was poor, never got to go back to high school. Yet if you go to Walkertown, North Carolina, and he's with our Lord now, and you see the largest dining hall facility in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. And you see that beautiful, beautiful auditorium. I just took a picture of the front of his auditorium, took it to an architect and said, I want the same front on the front of our auditorium as Brother Bobby has. That's the front of his auditorium. I want you to know that he's got auditoriums and classrooms and schools and he had the largest bus ministry run by lay people. Why? Because God saw a boy who never finished high school, never attended high school, who loved God immensely. He walked with God, he prayed to God, he served God, he loved the bus kids. I can recall preaching there, Brother Cooper, you preached there many times, and they had the board on this side, the board on this side for the bus ministry. That's why we have it over there. I like those boards. And it says over here how many in the bus, how many, 4,009 people in 2010 in his city, and the attendance would be 3,500 people. 3,400, 3,200. Here's a guy, never finished high school, and yet executives and pilots and CPAs and doctors sat at his feet because they knew they were sitting at the feet of a man of God. And God said, he sometimes, sometimes his, his uh, tenses are not correct. He said once, twice. His tenses were not always right, and I don't say that to disrespect him, but his heart was so on fire for God. God said, I'm just gonna put my hand a blessing on that man and those tobacco fields, and God raised him up in Walkertown, North Carolina. He went on, raised up a man. He was pastoring German, I think it was Germantown Baptist Church, and a church uptown in Chattanooga called him in the 40s to be their pastor, Dr. Lee Robertson. Eventually the board, most of them left him because he started running these buses for poor kids. 
And they had the bankers there and the rich people and the executives. We don't want this riffraff around here. But it kept reaching boys and girls and men and women. That church, Highland Park Baptist Church, began to go after souls with buses and door knocking and soul winning and worldwide missions, 450 missionaries if I remember, and a college that was nearly five, uh, over 5,000 students studying for the ministry and men of God that were gonna go out and a church that was running 12,000 attendants and 60, 70 chapels all around that area where preaching boys would preach on Sunday. Why? Because God said, I like what I see and Dr. Lee Robertson and because of it, I'm gonna show myself strong in his behalf. He won a man to Christ. That man eventually became very successful. He walked into the church one day and he said, I have a gift for the church pastor, it was $14 million. Dr. Robertson said, I don't want it. The deacons forced him to take it because I don't want it. He said, Tennessee Temple is built off widows and widowers and mothers and dads that love this place and they send in their $5 a month, and consequently where their treasure is, their heart will be, and they pray for us. We take that money, I'll lose the $5, I'll lose the $10, and we'll lose people praying for us. We need the prayers of God's people. Oh, I thank God for Lee Robertson. He'd be over 100 years of age now if he was still here. That great ministry, that great auditorium that seated I think seven, 8,000 people all this downtown, all that downtown Chattanooga, as you go down there, all the dormitories all scattered, the big three, four-story music hall, Weigel Hall, and all the administrative offices and the chapels and the auditorium and the classrooms and the beautiful gymnasium. Why? Because God said, I want to show myself strong because he loves me. Lee Robertson did not spend his life thinking how to play and party, have a good time. Bobby Robertson did not spend his life trying to always get out of work, but he served God. You know, I think of a, a fellow, we played him on the broadcast this way. We played a lot of these men on the broadcast Friday morning, the live radio broadcast. Ah, what a preacher. He'd preach like that. What a man of God. Southern man from Greenville, South Carolina. Uh, 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 Dr. Harold Seitler, Tabernacle Baptist, he's with the Lord. God put his hand powerfully upon his life. Our dear friend, we heard his voice and he was singing this, preaching this past week. Atlanta, Georgia died at 61 with cancer. Pastored America's fastest growing church in the 70s, Dr. Curtis Hudson. Dr. Curtis Hudson was a mailman, delivering mail and pastoring on the weekends, a small little country Baptist church. And he was delivering something called the Sword of the Lord. It was a Christian magazine that John Rice started. And he began to read that thing as he delivered it. And he heard that John Rice and Jack Howes were gonna be near him and preaching on soul winning. He said, I'd never want anybody to house, in their house or at the streets to Christ. I didn't know how to do it. Curtis Hudson became the great soul winner, perhaps the greatest soul winner in America's history. He became a powerful soul winner. That church grew to 500, then 1,000, then two, and three, and four, and on and on it went. Thousands and 7,000 members, it was amazing. Why, because God put his hand on a country boy, 
a mailman, became the pastor of that great church, Forest Avenue, Forest Baptist, whatever it is here, Forest Hills Baptist Church. Go back to sleep, my brother. I think of my friend Larry Brown, North Carolina boy. They went up to a place called Washington, Iowa. And he pastored there 43 years. You talk about a, a round peg in a square hole, that's Larry Brown. He's country. He's just country. And I say that with all due respect. I don't mean he's ignorant. He's just country. And he went up to those northerners that just look at you. No shout. No nothing. There he was preaching away. But look how God raised him up. In Washington, Iowa, a town of 5,000 people. Look how God raised up Lester Roloff. He died at age 68 in a plane crash. I was driving right in front of this property. It wasn't our property. I always would get to the tennis courts and begin to pray, oh God, give us this property. We need this. This computer business is here, but we need this property. I prayed the entire length until I got to that next building. I had the KCBS radio going and said, Evangelist Lester Roloff. I turned it up. They said, has just perished in a plane accident. He was flying a plane. He's in a field. And the, and the, and the plane went down. All aboard are dead. He had a runway on that property where he had the redemption home for boys and girls and the judges of the country would say, I sentence you to the roll-off home. He put them under preaching every day and upon the word of God, thousands, thousands and thousands were the same. He had, he had the home for adult men in another place and for women and for teenagers and for children and all of it. God used them powerfully. His last song he sang on the radio that morning before he went up to that plane. He said, my God and I go in the field. That's where he died, together. He got on the tarmac and he began to walk out to this little plane there. And the man from his ministry said, Brother Roloff, you have a good day. And he said, I'm telling you right now, this is going to be, his last words on land, the greatest day of my life. A few moments later, he was in the presence of God. Oh, how God touched him. I think of Oliver Green, B. Green. We heard his radio voice this past week, Home with the Lord. I think of Dr. Raymond Hancock that had been here so many times. And he sang in this old pulpit of ours, Come and dine, the master calleth. Come and dine. You may, oh, I love him. You know, tonight, what I'm telling you in closing, I want to be that man. I want to do my best that my wife and our children and our grandchildren and this church and our schools and our college could be blessed. Because somebody said, I want, I want God's eyes to stop and look at me. That I'm pleasing him. I don't need a trophy. I don't need any accolades. I'm not looking for that. 
In fact, and I hope this doesn't sound rude, but several years ago, I had boxes and boxes. I, I had keys to the city. I traveled for 40 years to every city around in America preaching. I had keys to the city. I had plaques. I had trophies. I threw them all away. You say, well, what about a memorial? I don't want a memorial. I tell you what, friend. I want to try to live my life this week in such a way you pray for me. That God's eyes, oh, California, oh, Santa Clara. You know, God's seeing this parking lot here tonight. Don't you think this brings honor to God? When churches all over are not even willing to meet and here you sit out, you sat out here just a couple months ago in March when the hail was coming down on us. I've lived here my whole life. We moved here in 53, and I'm talking about big, big hail balls about this big, about this big. <laughs> Came down. People were singing. People got umbrellas and this started, kept on singing. We preached one day, there was 97 degrees, and there was nothing up here, and I tell you, it was so hot. The fellows came in that afternoon and built this thing. I can preach all night now. It can rain, it can storm, it can snow. And we're having church. We just kept buying tents and tents and we're in parking lots here, parking lots there. You know what God wants to do in your home? He wants to stop on your street this week. Look at that home right there. Look at that dear sweet wife and mother. Look at her. I've got my eyes on her. Look at that lady. She's got her Bible open. Her kids just went to school and she's praying for her children and she's praying for her husband. Look at that dear lady right there. Look at that dear lady suffering with her health. Look, I see her. Oh, she has such a sweet spirit. Look at that poor widow lady over there. I see her. Look at that lady in the rest home, that man in the rest home. Look at that man that's going through sorrow with his life. Look at that family whose son is a, is a wayward prodigal son or whose daughter's a prodigal. But look, look, they still going to my house. They're still reading their Bible. They're still praying. Look at that. Oh, I'm seeing it. I see it all. You're going to graduate on Wednesday, some of you college students. God just wants to show himself strong in your behalf. So he's got his eyes looking. There's one. God's not holding you to perfection. We have to grow in grace. The king should have known. He spent 39 years obeying God. And in the end, he said, I think I'll rely on the Syrians. The Syrians. I think I'll trust my own physicians rather than God. I think I'll get mad at that guy because that seer, that prophet came and rebuked me. I don't like what he said to me. No, I'm not going to listen. And God said, I'm done with you. That's probably one of my greatest fears of my life that God will say, Jack, I'm done with you. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.